message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Thanks, guys. Good morning. How are you doing? Still awake? Still there? Excellent. Very good. I'm, thank you for asking, whoever that was. I'm very well, thank you. Not only awake, but engaging. Wow, this is, this is good. Let's see if it's like that by the end. So, last week uh, we looked at what happens in the immediate aftermath of the healing of the lame man that we read about in Acts chapter 3. If you're with us, you know that we're working our way through the book of Acts. That's our preaching series at the moment. So if you'd like to take a Bible and turn with me to Acts chapter 4, you'll notice we've moved on slightly. We've got to Acts 4 this week. And um, you'll know if you are here last week, we looked at how uh, Peter and John were able to communicate the gospel clearly after this guy had been healed. So uh, we looked at how there was this lame man, Peter and John came across him, and uh, he, was, he was begging, they didn't have any, any money to give him, but what they did have, they did give him, which was uh, healing in the name of Jesus. And he gets up, he's healed, and unsurprisingly, a crowd gathers around to see all the commotion and to see what's going on. And Peter takes the opportunity, sees a crowd, thinks, aha, opportunity to preach the gospel here, and, uh, and goes for it. So my question last week for you to look at in life groups was, could you clearly communicate the gospel in two or three minutes? Would you know what to say? Would you know how to do it? Anybody look at that this week? You practice, think about what to say. I, I, my experience is most of us who have been Christians for any length of time immediately say, oh, I know what to say. But once we start, typically most people fall into two camps. Either they dry up very quickly after about 14 seconds, not quite sure what to say next. Or after 25 minutes, they're still going. And uh, the person that was at one point interested has either died, fallen asleep, or, you know, just managed to escape for, for a quick exit. What we need to practice, I think, is to be able to clearly communicate something of God's love, his goodness, his grace, the gospel message, in two or three minutes. And I know you won't get everything into that that you want to say, but that's okay. Because if somebody starts asking you questions, then that's permission to continue the conversation longer. So that's fine. But you've got to be able to say something in a few minutes that uh, is clear, concise, engaging, and gives the headlines and tells people that they're loved by a Heavenly Father, that he has a plan for them, that he can forgive them and welcome them into his family. So if you didn't get to practice that this week, I want to encourage you to do that over the next few weeks because I think it's a really useful and helpful and important skill to have. And regardless of how long you've been a Christian, it's one that we can uh, work out and improve 
together. So life group leaders, there you go. It's something to look at over the next few weeks. So this week we've got to Acts chapter 4. We'll read a few verses together. If you found it in your Bible, if you've opened, turned, clicked or scrolled, hopefully you've got there. We'll start reading at Acts chapter 4, verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John because it was evening and they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Isn't it interesting? In that moment, Peter is filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. I don't think he had rehearsed what to say, but God came to him in that moment and gave him words to say. I suspect that Ray and others could testify of similar things out on the streets in Derby. Now, when you need to know what to say, the Holy Spirit comes. That is not a reason not to practice <laughs> or not to get clued up on things. But it is an encouragement, isn't it, that when you need to know what to say, God comes. The Holy Spirit gives you the words. That's not in the notes. So that's an extra. That's a freebie. Thrown in for good measure. Isn't it good? Right then. So then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. See Exhibit A. He's there, isn't he? No, just look at him. This guy's healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then confer together. What are they going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. And just a side note there, that is still young. <laughs> so, a crowd has gathered following the lame man's 
healing. Peter is preaching the gospel. Thousands of people are responding. People are getting saved. So something is happening. God is at work here. But the authorities are not happy about the situation. Peter and John are seized. They're put in jail overnight and then summoned the following morning to be questioned by the rulers, elders, teachers of the law. And as they're questioned, as Peter and John give their response and answer to them, we get the key verse of this passage. And it's one that everything else hinges on. And if you've got one of those electronic Bibles on your phone where you can easily highlight verses, I would strongly suggest that you highlight this verse. And it's verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. I love this verse for a whole number of reasons. To start with, it proves that you don't have to be an Oxbridge graduate to be used by God. If you are, then that's fine and great, and God can use you. But he can still use you if you're not. Regardless of your background, regardless of your education, regardless of your ability, regardless of any measure that you might decide to use, God can still use you. Amen? That's what we see here. And not only do we see it in Scripture, but we see that the rulers, the authorities, the teachers of the law, they noticed that even though they were Peter and John were unschooled, ordinary people, They saw something about them. And they saw that they were being used by God and that these men had been with Jesus. They might not have agreed that they were being used by God. They might have had a different perception, a different explanation perhaps, but they knew that something was going on and they knew that these men had been with Jesus. That was not up for discussion. So according to Luke here, it's not about your education, but rather it's about the company you keep. It's not about your education. It's about the company you keep. These men had been with Jesus. And this morning we're going to look at the fact that your company, so I don't mean your company as in like a business, I mean the company you keep, okay? Your company affects your character. Your company affects your courage. And your company affects your confidence. So we'll look at it together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the recording we have here by Luke of what happened as this lame man was healed. And what happened in the aftermath as people saw that Peter and John, although ordinary, Lord Jesus, they had been with you. And we pray now as we spend these moments looking at these verses together that you would come and be our teacher, Holy Spirit. Not just that we might understand what we read, but God, you might apply it to our hearts and lives and to us as a church. God, we ask it please in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
So our key verse here, verse 13, makes it clear that Peter and John, these were men that had been with Jesus. And you might say, well, Graham, that's obvious. We know they've been with Jesus. They've been his disciples for the last few years. They've been following him around. Of course they've been with him. But more than just physically being with Jesus, their being with Jesus had made a difference to their lives. Their being with Jesus had rubbed off on them. Their being with Jesus had changed them. They were not the people that they used to be. These were changed individuals, powerfully so. Being with Jesus had had a profound effect on them. And we'll look at what that effect is in a moment. But before we do, let's just realize this is not just the lesson of history. We're not just looking back and going, ah, oh, isn't that nice for Peter and John? They'd been with Jesus and now they got to heal this guy. This is not just a history lesson, but rather we need to see this morning, friends, that whilst Peter and John had been radically changed by being with Jesus, guess what? Your being with Jesus will change you too. Do you believe it? It really will. So firstly, your company, the company you keep, your company affects your character. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says this, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. You become like the company you keep. And the people you spend your most time with have an effect on you and your character. Do you realize that? Maybe you remember your parents telling you something similar as you were growing up. Maybe you even said it to your own children. But it's true. Other people's values, other people's worldviews, their opinions will rub off on you. You need to be aware of that, to be careful. Now, just to be clear, I'm not for one moment suggesting that, therefore, you sort of hibernate away or just spend all your time with Christians. That is absolutely not what I'm saying here. Jesus calls us to be salt and light, not to be affected by others, but to affect the world around us, to bring light into dark places, to bring salt, flavor, and preservative to the situations we find ourselves in. But we do need to be aware that other people's views and opinions, worldviews, do rub off on us. And yet the company you keep will affect and shape your character. The American author and motivational speaker, Jim Rohn, once said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Interesting, isn't it? You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So let me ask you a question. What if you were to spend your most time with Jesus? What would that look like? What sort of effect might that have on you and your character. Remember Peter and John? They'd been with Jesus. That had had an effect on their character. It had shaped their character. 
and it will shape yours as well. You see, as you spend time with Jesus, guess what? You begin to exhibit his character. You begin to act like he would act. You begin to think like he would think. You begin to be Jesus to those around you. Someone who's full of love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, and the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. As you spend time with Jesus, his character rubs off on you. Last week we said that Jesus was moved by compassion when he saw people around him. And so as you spend time with Jesus, you'll find that you are moved by compassion too. What breaks his heart will start to break your heart. As you spend time being with Jesus, he will transform your character. You know, a godly transformation from the inside out. So your company affects your character. So you might say, well, how does that work today? How does it work for, for us? For Peter and John, it was easy. They saw Jesus and followed him. He's there. Let's go that way. Literally followed him. But how does it work for us? Well, friends, it's, it's meeting him in his word. Meeting him as you pray, as you walk with him, as you worship, as you intentionally give time to him. Now, I know that everything you do in life can be worship. But what are you doing that is intentionally spending time with him? Spending time in his words. What does it look like for you to spend time with Jesus? There's no one size fits all here. It's different for each of us. And the reality is it's different even for, for, for each of us at different seasons of life. And that's okay. God knows that. So I'm not saying it's going to look like this or like that or like the other, but the question for you is, what does it look like for you? How do you spend time with Jesus? What does it look like for you in your life right now? Because the company you keep, your company, will affect your character. Secondly, your company affects your courage. Your company affects your courage. Phil Moore in his book on Acts makes the point that Peter had not just been with Jesus, but rather he had been with the resurrected Jesus and had been filled with the Holy Spirit. So Peter had spent all this time with Jesus, but do you remember what happened when Jesus was arrested? Peter likes it. The moment he's challenged, the moment that somebody comes to him, a servant, and says, hey, weren't you with Jesus? Weren't you one of those followers of him? He denies it and runs away. But Peter has met the resurrected Jesus. Peter's been restored. Peter's been forgiven. Peter's been filled with the Holy Spirit. And he looks a bit different now, doesn't he? No longer is he running away. No longer is he denying knowing the Lord. Now he's got a crowd of probably thousands, because we're, we're told that you know, at least 5,000 men, presumably plus women and children as well, have given their lives to Christ. 
just over this short period of time, the church is growing. Something's happening. This is not the Peter we read of just a few weeks earlier, is it? This was a radically changed, transformed Peter who is now full of courage. The Jewish leaders make reference to the courage of Peter and John. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. So here they were addressing the rulers and religious authorities of the day. Boldly. There was no holding back, was it? It's like, you crucified him. I was like, it wasn't like just a gentle conversation here. It's like, you crucified him. But God raised him from the dead. They knew what they wanted to say. And they didn't hold back. They were full of courage. You see, your company affects your courage. If you spend time with Jesus, that will affect your courage. You see, if there was some way of measuring courage, a courageometer, maybe. I mean, Jonathan, you could probably build a courage on myself, couldn't you? You know, you could probably, we'll probably have one here next, next Sunday, you know, a big, big thing, and it'll be the, the courage ometer. And if you could build a courage ometer, I would suggest that you would see a direct correlation between time spent with Jesus and level of courage. That's what we see here in Scripture. And friends, I don't think it's any different from us today direct correlation between time spent with Jesus and level of courage. Michael Green in his book Evangelism in the Early Church says this. He says, here are men and women of every rank and station in life, of every country in the known world, so convinced they discover the riddle of the universe, so sure of the one true God who they've come to know that nothing must stand in the way of their passing on this good news to others. They might be slighted, laughed at, disenfranchised, robbed of their possessions, their homes, even their families, but this would not stop them. They might be reported to the authorities as dangerous atheists and required to sacrifice to the imperial gods, but they refused to comply. In Christianity, they had found something utterly new, authentic and satisfying. They were not prepared to deny Christ even in order to preserve their own lives and in the manner of their dying, they made converts to their faith. These were courageous people. See, Peter and John and the early church knew the risen Jesus, believed what he said, were full of his spirit and obedient to his mission. And look at how God used them. I wonder if we were equally sold out to Jesus, how might he use us? How might he use us? And let us not underestimate the power of baptism in the Holy Spirit, the power of being filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by God himself. So the Holy Spirit is the spirit of courage. He comes not just to give us gifts that encourage and build up the church, but he comes to us to bring courage and strength and power to life. Do you believe that? 
Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of courage. He took a young shepherd boy, turned him into a giant slayer. He took a rough, uneducated fisherman and turned him into a radical and courageous preacher. He takes you and he takes me and he turns us into, well, what is he turning us into? What is he doing with us right now? How does the Lord want to use you even today? Do you remember God's instruction to Joshua? Do you remember what he said? Do you remember what the words were? I mean, I'll look it up just so I quote it right, but I think you can remember it, many of you. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, God comes and speaks to Joshua, son of Nun, makes some promises to him, and in verse 6 of Joshua 1 says, Be strong and courageous. Because you'll lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Verse 7. Be strong and very. And so he goes on. It's like he just keeps repeating it because Joshua clearly wasn't getting the message. Needed to be reminded several times. But before we judge him, aren't we similar to that as well? (laughs) We probably are. Be strong and courageous. For Peter and John... They had become courageous men. The early church was full of courageous men and women who stepped out, stood up, and played their part in advancing God's kingdom. So your company affects your courage. Just as I was praying about this message even this morning, Thinking about it again, just felt the Lord highlight this subject of courage to us. And maybe for some of you this morning, you're thinking, you know what, I need to know courage. Maybe you've got some decisions ahead of you or some steps that you need to make. And you need to know God's courage. I feel even in these moments, God wants to come by his spirit and bring courage to some of you. Any of you? There's quite a few there. Why don't don't you stand? We're going to pray right now. You just put your hand up. You didn't quite get your hand up in time. If you know that you need to receive courage this morning from the Lord, why don't you stand? We're going to pray right now. If somebody near you has stood, just reach out your hand to them and pray. Father, I want to ask now for these dear friends. I want to pray, God, that they would know courage of the Holy Spirit. God, I want to pray, Lord Jesus, that courage would be imparted and received now in Jesus' name. God, even in these moments, as even as we, uh, our friends stand before you, hungry to receive courage, I pray, God, that not only would the story of Peter and John encourage them, but more than that, Holy Spirit, would you come right now, and breathe courage into every heart, every life, 
God, every individual who stood, you know what the circumstances are, you know what the situation is, you know what the need is, the challenge that is ahead. You know where and how and why courage is needed. So we pray, Holy Spirit, bring courage now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I do believe God wants to give courage this morning. I'm reminded that for Peter and John, they saw God's power as they stepped out. We looked at this a few weeks ago. It was in the moment of stepping out that God came. Same is true for Joshua, actually. As he stepped out, he saw God's power. It's in the stepping out very often that God's power comes. I encourage you, dear friends, to take steps of faith and obedience, courageously trusting God. Your company affects your courage. And thirdly, your company affects your confidence. I guess this is a little bit like courage, but whilst God calls us to be men and women of courage, Confidence comes from the inner knowing of who we are in Christ. And guess what? The more you spend time with Jesus, the more you get to understand who you are in God, who you are in Christ. You're a son or daughter. Now, that's true in the natural, but it's also true in the spiritual. God doesn't call us to be obedient servants following him, but rather he calls us into his family He calls us as sons and daughters. Sons and daughters are not like servants. They have relationship. They have a knowledge of who they are, an understanding of what that means. They have a confidence that comes from being in family, from being a son or daughter. You see, as you spend time with Jesus, your company affects your confidence. So, as we begin to wrap up, Let me ask you, are you being with Jesus? Are you spending time with him? Some of you may have seen online that uh, this week David and I had the privilege of spending some time with Nicky Gumbel in London. Went to interview him for Devoted. So if you want to see the interview, you've got to book in. Be there August Bank Holiday weekend and you'll get to see our interview uh, with Nicky. It was a great privilege to meet him and spend some time with him. And one of the questions I asked him was about his Bible in one year. Some of you may be uh, doing it even as we speak. Now, reading through the Bible in one year is nothing new. That various plans and uh, ways of doing that have been around for years. But he told me that the one that uh, that he's, he's done came out of an idea for the whole church to read through the Bible at the same time. So they'd all be reading the same passages and could then talk about what they were learning, what God was saying to them uh, across the church. And he realized that as the church started to do that, he saw some themes emerging of the readings that were uh, applied to each day. And so he started to get up early and um, write some notes uh, around them uh, for the church that got sent out. And um, that in time became, became the Bible in one year uh, with the notes that you, know, you may be familiar with. With. Now, I've found, as Nikki has found, that as you read through the Bible, as you read God's Word and ask Him to speak to you, 
No, spending time with Jesus. Spending time with God and his words. Now, I know you can't be with Jesus in the same way the early apostles were, but you can be with him through his words and in his spirit. So are you taking that opportunity to be with Jesus? Now, I found that verse so challenging, even again this week. Now, would people say of me, oh, he's been with Jesus? Would people say of you, oh, they've been with Jesus? Would people say that about us? Is my first priority every day, every week, to be with Jesus? Is that your first priority? Being with Jesus had a profound effect on Peter and John. And friends, being with Jesus will have a profound effect on you and me. It really will. Look at how Peter and John and a few other radicals turn the whole known world upside down. Consider how being with Jesus totally transformed them. What could it be like for you in the spheres of influence that God has given to you? Your home, your family, your friends, your place of work, your place of recreation, your relationships. What could God do there? As we draw our morning to a close, perhaps the band could come back up, please. We're going to finish with communion together because I wanted to remind us of the importance of being with Jesus and uh, uh, sharing communion, being reminded uh, about his death and resurrection is another way of being with Jesus. But it's not just looking back. It's not just saying, oh, that happened then, but rather as we take the bread and wine As we will in a moment, God comes to us afresh now. We've already said how many of us need courage in different situations. All of us need to know the Lord's. And as we take bread and wine, we are empowered to live for him going forward. Not just looking back at something that he has done. So I'm going to pray in a moment and uh, Naomi and the band are going to lead us in a song of worship. We'll stand in a few moments. And uh, as we do that, there'll be bread and wine served on both sides, that side and over there as well. And uh, once we start worshipping together, you can come forward and receive bread and wine. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.